Hi guys, welcome to Aesthetically Displeasing, where we talk about all things spooky, stupid, and displeasing. Today we are going to talk about, um, what are we calling it, the Cleveland kidnappings? Yep. Because. Fuck the guy that did it. Yeah, exactly. Um, did you have any, any like updates or anything? We haven't recorded in a while. I'm back. <laughs> I feel, I feel weird. Like last time we recorded, we were at my mom's too. So I know, it was a long time ago. In our podcast studio in a while. I know. I flew to Baltimore and surprised my boyfriend because he got, so we lived in Georgia together for two years. And then when we decided to move back to Illinois, um, I'm a teacher, so my job had to start before his. Uh, so he got hired by a new fire department up by me. And so his parents bought me a plane ticket so I could go surprise him um, and his entire family over in Baltimore for his cousin's wedding. So I had like. 24 hours to prepare to go to Baltimore. Yeah, I know. You, super fun. You must me and like, hey, how do you feel about having some guests and not me on the podcast? So, um, and you uh, were drunk for four days. Love so that fun. for you. <laughs> I'm jealous. Really His family's really big drinkers. We, lo- when, I, when I got there, surprised Logan. And then two minutes later, we were loading up a U-Haul full of alcohol for the wedding. Listen, I spent kind of way, way too much alcohol on my wedding, but I you don't drink think I or had you it. spent. We spent too much money on alcohol. We, so. We tried to make our way through it. <laughs> that's fair. We told the people who we had our wedding at, we had two options. We could either pay for all the alcohol ahead of time, mm-hmm. or we could pay per person per hour. Okay, so like calculating it out, it was going to be according to them, more expensive to do the per person per hour because they've never had anyone, like, drink that much drinks. Mm-hmm. We doubled their estimate for uh, how much we were going to spend in oh alcohol. Oh, my God. Doubled. I believe that. I believe that. Fun fact, the only people who threw up at Nicole's <laughs> wedding was uh, her husband and myself. And no, <laughs> and my, her little, my brother. little brother. He... <laughs> He puked from eating too much cake. He puked and rallied. He was on that dance floor. He was five at the time, I think. Yeah. So he had fun. He did. He was the life of the party. We like were making a dance circle around Cameron. Um, He also, so uh, Shut Up and Dance was one of the songs that they played at my wedding. And then uh, it was like. A year later, we were at uh, one of my stepmom's friend's house, and they started playing Shut Up and Dance. He ran up to me, and he was like, Sissy, this played at your wedding. And I was like, how do you remember that? That's it was so cute. So sweet. Yeah. Um, I thought my husband was going to die on my wedding night, so I slept spooning him with my hand on his chest to make sure he was breathing. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. That was my wedding night. I was romantic but that's okay he's alive um okay so i just want to give a general trigger warning on top of all the trigger warnings that i will (laughs) give throughout this whole thing because it is god awful i hate it like even when i was like downstairs researching i was like gross gross it's so bad gross um a lot of my my story my a lot of my notes came from Michelle's book um so a lot of it's from her point of view but I did have a couple other and I also listened to um 
one of our favorite podcasts, um, Morbid, to get some facts too. Um, so Michelle Knight was born April um, nineteen eighty one. Did you want to give the trigger warnings? Oh shit! <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good point. Um, there's trigger warnings of like literally everything: uh, sexual assault, um, a, abuse in general, um, animal abuse. Anything else? uh if there's degradation we will i will give also i will give trigger warnings before like anything Mm -hmm. like really specific and like horrible happens but this is a true crime episode this isn't a spooky episode yes and it's a rough one it's really rough i have had nightmares about this case Mm -hmm. all week um so and it's well I just don't like it. Um, okay, so Michelle Knight was born um, April. Why do I not have her actual birthday? I think it was April 3rd. April 2nd. Hold on, let me go. She says it. Oh, wow. April 23rd. Oh, my God. You weren't even close. <laughs> okay, April 23rd, 1981. Um, she had uh, younger twin brothers uh, that she would take care of all the time she also had a younger cousin she was basically like the caregiver um to a lot of her younger younger siblings and younger cousins uh the family grew up in cleveland ohio in extreme poverty she like made a note about how she would watch tv and the commercials would come on about like you know poverty areas and everything and she would be like that doesn't even look that bad (gasps) yeah oh jeez um they moved around a lot uh they moved into a new house every two or three months for a point in her life um and they also lived out of her car for a year um it was like a family uh wagon why can i not think of it wagoneer wagoneer yeah no wagoneer is the new one station wagon station wagon (laughs) thank you okay um her parents were not able to keep a job to like freaking save their life um and so because of this they had a lot of family members live with them they lived with aunts uncles cousins people were constantly coming and going at all hours of the day and night um at one point they had like 15 people (gasps) living in their house and her twin brothers always had like a specific room but she slept basically wherever um she didn't really have a specific room like just wherever she fell asleep was where she slept uh yeah we'll get into it it's rough um so this michelle literally ah i don't know how her life could have been worse she just like did not catch a break from like the moment she was born to you know now Until, (laughs) until 2013 yeah um, she missed a lot of school. Um, her parents would take her out one to two days a week. Uh, and sometimes they, it didn't really, she didn't really specify in the book, like why it was, but a lot of the times it would be because, um, she needed to be home to take care of her cousins, nice. even though her parents were home. Um, oh, great. Yeah. So she started to feel like an idiot when she was actually in school she got really really behind and she said like I just want to be a normal kid I just want to be in school um and when she was 12 going on 13 she barely made it through fifth grade she was always the oldest kid in the class 
Um, she didn't have any friends. I mean, I don't know how she, she could have because she wasn't enough. in school, but also like she smelled really bad. She only <gasps> had like three outfits and they didn't always get like a shower. And when like they got to take a shower or had like, you know, an opportunity to be hygienic, um, she always made sure that her brothers would get mm-hmm. enough, um, because she knew that it would, it was few and far between for them to to have another shower or Jesus. brush their teeth or whatever. And in fifth grade being that stinky too, like. Yeah. Um, I remember just like, uh, I think it was in sixth grade, first day of school. And I washed my, I got out of the shower and I must've not gotten like a piece of my hair. And so a piece of my hair was like super greasy. And I had a full meltdown before Aww. school. Cause I was like, everyone's going to just think I'm gross. Yes. Um, she was also incredibly short. So she was four foot seven and she was made fun of for this too. Mm. Um, and then she was also made fun of cause she, a lot of, I mean, a lot of kids use the R word and referring to her, um, mm-hmm. but you know, saying that she was stupid because she missed so much school. Yeah. Um, at one point a teacher did ask if everything was okay at home and she just said, yeah, everything's fine. Yeah. Everything obviously looks fine. <laughs> You know, it's the 80s. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, And then her parents would also, like, not let her go over to anyone's house. So, like, if she did have friends or whatever, they wouldn't let her go there. Which, I don't know why. I don't know if it was, like, that she needed to take care of her siblings. Or they were afraid that she was going to say something to her friend's parents. I don't think they necessarily cared about that. I I don't know. They just wanted their living babysitter. Yeah. Um, she loved art. She was told in school that she had a gift and, um, she drew things that she dreamed about, uh, which included a big house, a family around a dinner table and kids playing in the park with oh their parents. God. I know. Um, she also loved drawing wolves. So she would draw wolves a lot. Um, she also enjoyed reading and music, which reading kind of surprised me since she wasn't in school that much, but she actually read, um, Stephen King novels all the time. Oh, wow. And she would say like, she was never scared of it. And, um, yeah. Cause she knew worse her. Yeah. Her reality was much, much worse. Um, so she, it never really phased her. And reading such an escape when your real life is so terrible. Yes. Um, she sang a lot and she listened to music. Um, her childhood career aspirations were to be uh, a firefighter at first, and then later, as she got a little older, it was to be a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a uh, trigger warning about um, sexual abuse. Um, starting at the age of five, Michelle was sexually abused by a, a male relative that was living in their house. Okay, so the first time that it happened, it was in the middle of the night. She got up to get a drink, um, and like I said, she never like really had a specific place to sleep. Um, like her room was always like moving around and whatever. Uh, so she got up to get a drink. And when she came back, this relative was in her bed. He threatened to kill her if she told anyone somehow gets worse. It continued at the beginning. It was a couple times a week. Um, and as she got older, it became almost every day. Jesus. Regardless of what bed she slept in, wherever she was, um, he would find her and she would even, she was really smart so she would I, I mean she had to be in a constant fight or flight 
her whole life. Mm-hmm. So she would stay up late and hide in a closet, um, hoping that he wouldn't find her oh, so and like sad. she wouldn't be assaulted. So like she tried to hide. It usually didn't work. Jesus. In the book, she calls this guy dude because she does. She says he didn't deserve being called by his real name. And this is really graphic, but I just wanted to say like how. So super trigger warning, but I just wanted to say how how bad this assault was. And I don't understand how so many people could be living in this house and no one knew what was going on. She got her period at 11, but she didn't even know that it was her period because she had been bleeding since five. (gasps) Yeah. So she like, Oh, how horrible. Didn't even, didn't even realize that that was that big of a difference. And after she got her period, um, the assault got a lot worse. It would happen anywhere in the house and it was just, yeah, horrible. At 15, she gave this man sleeping pills, which again, so smart. Mm -hmm. I don't think I would even think about sleeping pills at 15. Yeah. And she waited for him to fall asleep and she said like she slowly snuck out of her bed and tried to get dressed and every single time he stirred she would like freeze and hold her breath and make sure he didn't like wake up she had a bag packed and she like snuck out of her house slipping through a bathroom window after being homeless for about a week uh, on thanksgiving day she was invited to a baptist church the pastor invited her in gave her a coat and a meal. I mean, we're in Ohio in November. It's cold. Mm-hmm. And he told her that they served meals every day at five. Um, so she could go and eat every day. And so she did every single day. And then she also started going to Sunday services. Mm-hmm. Um, she tried to clean herself up for the services. So she would either go to McDonald's bathrooms or the church to bathe. She would lock the door and she like in the book, like gave a description of how like over however long it was, how she learned really, really well how to bathe in a sink. Oh my God. In bathrooms. So she was always trying to find like a certain place to sleep and she wandered across like this underneath a bridge. She grabbed a tra- a metal trash can. She stole it from someone's property and slept in it because she was so short. Like she could like oh snuggle gosh. up into the trash can. And so uh, one night a guy tapped her and she got super freaked out and she like came out with a bat came out of the trash can with a bat this man's name is sniper he approached michelle and said like hey you know do you need any money you know it's not ideal but you could be my runner for drugs (gasps) and she was like yeah like i i need money i don't care how i get it i'll do it we're not even into like the actual topic Yeah, I know. And her life is already so horrible. I know. Which also, I feel like people, people know who has already been, who have, I don't know how I'm trying to say this. Who've already been affected by trauma. Yes. People Mm -hmm. who have already been affected by trauma are, I don't know, so easily picked out by Mm -hmm. horrible people. And I don't know how they do that. But so- at this point in the book, when I was reading it, I was like, oh my God, something's bad going to happen with Sniper. But she said like immediately, she didn't understand why, but she just felt like really safe with him. Um, she knew like he wasn't going to hurt her. So he took her to his house and he brought her into his bedroom and he said like, hey, you can sleep here, live here. Uh, he gave her like a towel to shower and he said, I'll sleep on the couch. So he ended that's up. So, that's terrifying. Yeah, that I know. scares me. I know. 
but yeah, she was, she was fine. Um, she said like they were uh, him. And then there was another roommate named Roderick. They were like brothers to Uh her. They were paid $300 a week, but then there was like a raid and sniper got caught and Roderick and Michelle ended up running back to (laughs) underneath the bridge where she previously lived. And her trash can was actually still there. Oh, wow. How long did she get to live at the house for? It was, she was homeless for about a year. Oh, wow. I don't know how long she lived at that house, but it seemed like a little bit. Mm -hmm. So then they had money to, you know, get an apartment because they had money for rent, her and Roderick, but Mm -hmm. they didn't want to waste their money on it. So they stayed and living under the bridge for a little bit until a family friend spotted Michelle and immediately called her dad. yeah so her dad came picked her up and like literally had to drag her back into the car and back home and he re-enrolled her in school when she got back to the house her abuser literally mocked her saying like you thought you could get away from me and stuff like that oh my god yeah um and the abuse got a lot worse at 15 so she's Again, 15 at this point. She was gone for a little over a year or a little under a year. Placement test and was enrolled in ninth grade. She was actually surprised that she was enrolled that Mm -hmm. high in grade. Her sophomore year, she met a man she called Eric in her book. She she changed a lot of the names in the book. At first, she was really standoffish because she was like, why is this like really nice guy talking to me when like no one likes me? Is he a man or is he a teenager? Oh, he's he's in school with her. Okay. They started hanging out, ditching classes together. He like told her things like, you deserve to feel love and Aww. feel the way, you know, like you should. And she talked about how she loved him. They started uh, hooking up and she even noted like it was so nice to like actually want I mean because she had been abused her whole Mm -hmm. life at this point just to like be wanted by someone Mm -hmm. and like have their intimacy be romantic Mm -hmm. or whatever instead of like what she has known her whole life after a a few times of hooking up though she got pregnant and shortly after she found out she was pregnant a girl at school came up to her and told her that Eric had a girlfriend So she ended up never telling Eric that she got pregnant and she broke things off and she dropped out at the end of her sophomore year. Shortly after that she dropped out of school, her parents divorced. She also, after she got pregnant, would start to fight off her abuser. It would work sometimes, but not always. So yeah, that's just got awful. Her son, Joey, was born one month early. Uh, She noted that Joey's birth was the happiest moment of her life. She lived off of social security, which barely covered formula and diapers, but she like made the, the best out mm-hmm. of it. She was still living at home with her mom um, and her mom started dating this man. She calls Carlos in the book. He was a drunk and he moved in with them when Joey was around six months old. Michelle not having really anything except for social security. She applied for jobs constantly. She would like go out and search all day long for jobs but she had a really hard time because she was short and also because she didn't have a high school diploma Mm -hmm. so while she went out um, looking for jobs she would have her mom watch joey one day she came home from a whole day of job searching and joey started running at her terrified and he was like peeing himself he was so scared he was two and a half years old carlos was like drunk out of his mind and grabbed Joey's leg and ended up fracturing his knee. Um, so they went to the hospital. 
And because Michelle's like, oh no, like my son's going to get taken away from me if Mm -hmm. I tell them like that I'm living with this guy who's abusive and is a drunk. She said that Joey ended up falling at the park. So during their hospital visit, social services came up to them and said, hey, uh, just wanted to let you know that Carlos called in to admit what he did. So social services decided to take Joey until the court could determine that their home was safe for him to live in. Let me say, being a mom now, this hurt me a little bit more. Like, just, she had, like, one night left with her son. And they said, like, hey, you can sleep in your son's room for tonight, Mm -hmm. but then tomorrow we're going to have to leave. Oh, my God. And so she had told him, like, hey, mommy's going to have to go for a little bit. And he, like, was freaking out. And she's like, it's going to be okay. It's all right. And she, like, tried to really compose herself. Oh, my God. And how old was he at this time, too? Two and a half, yeah. Oh, my God. The next day when she had to leave, she said, like, she didn't want to leave. And he was, like, clutching on her. And social services had to, like, take him away. And then, like, she had to walk out of the room. Oh, my God. And she said, like, she tried so hard not to look behind her. She was trying to, like, compose herself. And she says, how do you say goodbye to a child who has one time lived in your body? Oh, my God. It, like, just, I cannot, I mean, like, my heart breaks when my kid cries in his crib when I know he's fed Mm -hmm. happy comfortable everything like that I just cannot imagine and like not having any control like and she knew that she had that one night left with him I feel like I would never sleep oh my goodness I would be awake staring at them I'm pretty sure that they like either like snuggled the whole night or like she held his his hand absolutely so their first court hearing, she walked, she didn't have a car, right? She walked three hours to this court hearing. Oh my gosh. Um, she ended up being 15 minutes late and the judge just like berated her saying like this was going to count against her. And she was like, well, there's no point now in telling them that like I don't have a car. Yes. So she decided to move out of her mom's house and into her cousin Lisa's house for steps of having a safe home. Mm-hmm. Her other cousin, Deanna, lived a few blocks away, and they would, like, hang out on the front porch all the time. Remember, she's still, like, looking for jobs. Mm -hmm. She doesn't have... I can't imagine not having anything to take my mind off of me not having a kid. So, uh, one day, Deanna's friend Emily came over, Emily Castro, and... Mm -hmm. Emily would talk about her parents all the time, how they weren't together. She ended up showing Michelle like a picture of her dad, which I think is weird because I've never like been like, hey, look at my dad. But like, yeah, I don't think it was like that. I think it like, I look a lot like my dad. So sometimes I'll pull up a picture and be like, yeah, see, like this is where I get it That was exactly what I was thinking of. Like, I think that'd be the only time to show like that you and your dad are twins. But also like this is back in 2001 so so they're pulling out like a maybe well you know what like that was back when people would have like photos in their that's wallet true, that's true so it could true. have been like a daddy daughter dance picture or something like that <laughs> daddy daughter dance there's nothing wrong with the daddy daughter dance until it's emily castro and her father at a daddy daughter that's dance very true. Emily also would talk on her phone with her dad all the time she would talk to him on speaker and um, I hate when people do that I do too she always felt like she knew her dad, Ariel. Her first visit with Joey was July 4th, 2002. She like ran up to him and like was so excited to see him. And she said like leaving again was just as hard. She also said it was incredibly weird to be watched while you like yeah. hang out with your child. 
Then they had another visit in mid-July that she actually had to miss because she didn't have a ride. I felt really bad. But she said, like, he was being moved from foster home to foster home. So he was going constantly to different Mm -hmm. places. And so sometimes it would be, like, a 15-minute walk. And sometimes it would be, like, really far away or somewhere she Mm -hmm. didn't know. She didn't have a ride. And she continued to do her job search. She really wanted to find a job so she could prove that she could support Joey as well. And while she was walking, she ended up breaking her glasses, which I didn't think was a big thing at all. I kind of dismissed it until later in the story. So I wanted to put this in here. And she didn't have money to replace them. And she had really bad eyesight. I was going to say, like, before I got my LASIK, if I had broke my glasses and didn't have money Mm -hmm. to replace them, I don't know what I would have done. I could not function without my glasses. Yeah. And she also (laughs) said, like, walking around in the summer heat without her glasses made her really, really dizzy, too. I bet. On August 23rd, 2002, Michelle's 21 years old now. Um, She had an appointment with social services, just some preemptive uh, meetings to try and get Joey back. She had a ride from a family member. And so when social services offered for her to give her a ride to wherever this meeting was, she was like, no, it's okay. Like I have a family member that's going to take me. But then um, at 11 a.m. the day of the appointment, they said they couldn't take her. Oh, my God. And this is at 11, and her appointment's at 2.30. Oh, jeez. Her cousin Deanna was over, and she was like, hey, can you walk with me to try to help find this this place? She had no clue where it was. Again, she doesn't have her glasses. It's, like, written down on this piece of paper, so she's, like, squinting to see it, too. They left their house at noon, so about an hour after she found out that she didn't have a ride, which I thought was pretty impressive. Yes. Like, I'd be freaking out. They're walking around. They cannot find anything, and around 1 p.m., they find a payphone to call social services and say, like, hey, I'm lost. I don't know where I'm at. I don't have my ride anymore, and the lady was, like, an absolute bitch. Oh, my God. She was like, well, you shouldn't have ta- you should have taken our ride that we offered you. And then she's like, yeah, I know I'm just, I'm really sorry. I don't know where I'm at. And the lady actually ended up like hanging up on her. <gasps> yeah. So at this point, they turn around to head home. And about a little bit after they start turning around, she says, hey, Deanna, you go head back. I'm going to try to look around for a payphone, try to call social services again mm-hmm. or someone. And so then around 1.30, she was like, okay, I'm just going to go walk to try to find Deanna now. I'm I'm done trying to find this this address. But she never really was done. She, like, would constantly ask people on the, on the road or anywhere she saw someone, like, hey, do you know where this address mm-hmm. is? Like, can you give me directions? So at 2.30, she stops at a family dollar, which was really close to where she had lived. And she said she was really thirsty. So she stopped and then she was like, you know, I can ask people for directions too in there. So she was continuing to ask like a ton of people in the store for directions. And as she's leaving the store, a man named Ariel Castro stops her saying like, hey, I know where that is. I can, I can help you find it. Remember Ariel Castro, I'm trying not to say his name. This man was Emily's dad. So she had been very familiar with one, the way he looked because she saw pictures And two, she like knows his voice, knows like his demeanor when he's talking to his daughter. And so she's so relieved. She's like, oh my God, he's, he's giving me a ride. She even says like he, she thought at the moment, like he was such a blessing, like an angel in disguise Mm, to help me. Because it's your friend's dad. Yes. And at this point, it is the time of the appointment. So it's 2.30. It's the time of the appointment. She's already late and desperate to get a ride to her son. 
So as they're walking out of the store, Ariel grabs her arm and she says it was just like a little too tight and it mm-hmm. like kind of caught her off guard. And immediately he loosened it right away and like apologized. And she was like, okay, this, this is weird. She said something's off, but I'm just going to excuse it. Like this is Emily's dad. It's not a big deal. And so they get in the car. That's, I like that just like rubs me the wrong way. Like if your dad grabbed her, I'd be like, David, what the fuck? <laughs> I know. Yeah. I don't know oh, also like so... why he even he, felt I mean, like if... he had to grab her arm. Like they're walking out of a store. She's not an old lady. She knows yeah. how to walk. Oh, it was seriously like he just like couldn't help himself, but yes. to grab her. Oh, it it very much seems like he was trying to like keep his composure. Yeah. And like just some of his like true personality was like yep, slipping it just, out. Mm-hmm. So as they're driving, she's telling him about like Joey and all of this and she doesn't have her glasses, right? And she's like, I really don't think we're heading in the right direction. Oh my God, but she doesn't even have her glasses. She doesn't have her glasses so she can't see. And that so, just terrifies me. Like, if you don't have to wear glasses, you don't know what it's like yes. to have to navigate without being able to see. It is so disorienting. It's so, like, it has to just be so unsettling to not know mm-hmm. exactly where you're going. Sensory deprivation really mm-hmm. scares exactly. me. Exactly. Yeah, I feel that's like exactly what it is. He really plays into sensory, yes. sensory deprivation. So as she's, like, noticing, like, hey, I don't think we're heading in the right direction, she asks... I don't even know how to, you told me to call him the cockroach because cockroach. I wanted to call him AC, but he calls himself AC and Fuck I don't him, like we're that. We're not giving him what he wants. So I'm going to refer to him as the cockroach from here on out. So he said like, Hey, I'm, I just need to stop by my house super quick. No, I'm already late to I, try to get custody of my child back. Right. And so Michelle is not wanting to be in, you know, she doesn't want to be rude. This guy has just helped her get a ride and stuff like that. And he's, her only hope of getting to her appointment. And she's like, kind of like, oh, I really have to get to my appointment. Like, we really need to hurry. And he he goes, Emily is home. So, like, she should be out of school. She should be home by now. And she's like, well, it's already three. I'm already late to my appointment. And he, you know, it's like, it's okay. I'll be really, really quick. And she's like, okay. Like, I just I really need to get to my appointment. So then they're talking in the car and she he was talking about like a motorcycle or something that he needed to sell. And Michelle was like, yeah, I I know someone who could probably buy that from you. Like, and she's talking to him about this. And all of a sudden he like flips topic super quick and is like, do you, do you like puppies? Ew. Yeah. And so he explains to her that his dog just had babies and he was like, you know what? I bet Joey would love a puppy. And she's like, oh my gosh, he does love puppies. He would be so excited. So he's like, okay, like I can give you a puppy. And so they pull up to his house. There's so many moments in this that one, I want to jump into her book and be like, no, we don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) go. But also like there's so many moments where she is creeped out and knows something's wrong Mm -hmm. and just dismisses it because it's her friend's dad. So they had been driving around for about seven minutes, but when she pulls up to his house, she recognizes the neighborhood and is like, this is a two minute drive from Family Dollar. So we've just been like driving in circles. (gasps) As they pull up into the driveway, he gets out and because he has a gate, he gets out after they park, locks the gate with a padlock again. And Michelle was like, uh, I thought you said like, you just, 
needed to grab something really quick. I thought like this was going to be really quick. And he was like, oh yeah, it is. It's just a really terrible neighborhood. And <laughs> Michelle's like, who would want to steal this shitty truck? Like <laughs> his, his car was like coated in McDonald's wrappers. It was Ew. really gross, which like, I'm not hating on McDonald's, but I hate like what I picture is, you know, like when people cover their dash and like, yep. Uh, trash. I hate that the roach <laughs> he exits the car and then like shortly he comes back and is like hey do you do you want to pick out a puppy no i want to go to my appointment <laughs> i know and michelle like kind of like hesitates right and then he goes don't worry emily's home like he keeps reassuring her like he notices that she's like uh no i really don't and he's like don't worry about it it's okay i'm emily's dad emily's home you can go say hi to emily so she gets out, gets inside, goes to into his house and she's looking around for Emily and he's like, oh, she's, she's probably upstairs with the puppies or she's, she's around here somewhere. And so Michelle's like looking around and she's like, oh, I love this picture of Emily and s- stuff like that. As she's looking for Emily, he goes, why don't you, why don't you go upstairs and, and pick out your own puppy? And she immediately pushes back and is like, uh, I'm not going up there. Mm -hmm. He responds, and I quote, come on, you don't have to be afraid of me. It's me, AC, Emily's dad. I'd be like, I don't fucking care. I needed to go to my appointment. Like, why are we even here? And I'm telling you that I don't want to go upstairs, so don't try to make me go upstairs. Yes. So then she starts to go upstairs, and halfway, she's like, I don't hear any dogs. Why don't I hear any dogs? She's on edge these this entire time. And he's like, oh, they're probably just sleeping. I would be, I just want to say, I'm so proud of her. Someone was like, hey, go upstairs and pick out a puppy. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> I'd be up that stairs into a room. Well, when, <laughs> where are the puppies? When, I guess I left this out. When they first pulled up, his dog was chained up outside. And he was like, why isn't she with the puppies? Yeah. And he was like, oh, she just had to like go to the bathroom. It's not a big deal red flag so then she's literally you know what if someone was like oh she wanted a break for her puppies like "Mm, i understand (laughs) where are they at (laughs) okay but yes you would probably be willing to go look at puppies but not not a guy who has like a gross house she said right when she walked in like the house like smelled (gasps) mildewy and like piss like Mm -mm. it was just like ew like piss nope i'd be out of there yeah i cannot stand smells correct i know (laughs) (laughs) once michelle walked into the bedroom he's like she's like okay where are the puppies he's like oh they're in the box over there and so she walks a little more into the Mm. room and he immediately slams the door and he's like if you scream i'll kill you he proceeds to hog tie her he ties up his feet she he ties up her feet so hard that she couldn't feel them immediately oh my god he's hog tying her so he ties up her wrist too and then connects her wrist and her legs together behind her and then he loops the cord around her neck which like basically is cutting off her airway and there's these two poles with like a string between them like a clothesline and he puts her on that raising her up 12 inches off the floor facing a window she makes a comment that like she felt like she was on display it's really gross he then proceeds and keep in mind that he's a gross human being who cannot even take his mcdonald's wrappers out of his car and his house smells like piss he shoves a dirty gray sock in her mouth and puts duct tape all around her head 
Then he proceeds to turn on the radio so loud that she says it hurts her eardrums. Oh, my God. And he leaves. Oh, God. She immediately is starting to go numb. She's, like, suspended in the air. He, like, makes a comment before he leaves. Like, hey, I'm just going to go grab us some food. (gasps) Casual. Yeah. He did not come back for multiple days. (gasps) So she's suspended in the air. For days? For days with hogtied with the cord around her neck the sock in her mouth and duct tape all around her head to keep the sock in. So a couple days later he comes in and he rips off her duct tape and it rips off her hair with it. And she's like (gasps) screaming because it hurts. He's trying to shove this like McDonald's sandwich in her mouth and she is refusing. And she's like, I don't know what's in that. Like, I don't know if he's trying to poison Mm -hmm. me. And so he ends up undoing her cord around her neck, around like the clothesline that keeps her suspended. And she like crashes onto the ground. He then proceeds to carry her to another white room. And in this room is like a stained queen size mattress on the floor with no sheets, which beds without sheets give me the heebie-jeebies. I don't know why. I used to Mm, sleep all the time without a a sheet on my bed because I would be too lazy to clean it. But like it seriously grosses me out. Trigger warning. She was then raped. She was thrown on the queen bed. She was raped for an hour. It hurt her so bad that the mattress was completely soaked with blood. Yeah. I mean, just just an aside, he has already, when he first, like, brought her into the room, he had already, like, masturbated on her. But I think that, like, that's gross. But it was very detailed in the book. So she says that he has, like, this Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde complex. So after he was done assaulting her, he would, like, lay down and talk to her. At this point, he talks about how he was molested as a kid, so he can't help it, and that's just how he is. This is too much. <laughs> I'm I can't sit still on the couch right now. I oh my god, he's such a piece of shit. Yeah, and then uh, she tried to like say like, "Hey, it doesn't have to be like this." Like I was assaulted as a kid too, and I'm not. I asshole. grew up just fine. <laughs> she's like um please tell me about your childhood because mine was probably more traumatic so then he like gets out of the room really quick throws a few dollar bills at her (gasps) and i forgot that he did that pay for Mm -hmm. his her services Mm -hmm. and he would pay them after every single assault which is disgusting so then he's like going through her purse and he finds her id and he finds out that she's 21 and he freaks out and he's like you're 21. I thought you were much younger than that. And I was hoping you were much younger than that. Yeah. And so he freaks out, drags her to the basement. And as she's being drugged into the basement, she was like, I've read enough horror novels to know that nothing good happens Mm -hmm. down here. In this basement, there was trash, dirty clothes. It smelled like mildew and piss again. There was boxes of videos, which she assumed would to be porn. She just had like these gross porn VHS tapes everywhere. He makes a comment that, you know, you won't be here long, maybe just till Christmas. And this is August. Oh my God. Yeah. In the basement, she noticed there's a ton of alarms on the basement door. And then he proceeds to stuff a sock in her mouth again, push her up against this pole and wrap eight foot rusty chains around her from her stomach to her mouth. And then he's like, okay, you can't, you, you can't scream and stuff like that. So he puts a motorcycle helmet mm-hmm. on her and she immediately passes out. 
she says in the the book that literally a part of you has to die Mm -hmm. to endure and get through what she got through she also calls him dude a lot in the book probably again a nod to they don't deserve to Mm -hmm. you know have names and he would constantly do trust exercises with her so he would leave and say like he's going to work or whatever and then come back like two seconds later and see if she like was he would to leave with <clears throat> excuse me like he would leave but leave the door open yes. and things like that yes to, yeah like just to test her yes and so, just to manipulate her that like he, like if there was one day where he accidentally left the door open mm-hmm. she would be too terrified to yeah. try to escape yeah uh, she tried to get a routine down so she could tell when he left for work, he would go to, he would go somewhere, come back, usually bring her down like a McDonald's sandwich and then go to work and he would be in his uniform. So she would have know, you like, mentioned what his job is at this point. I have not. I would. Cause that just <laughs> adds a whole new level. So, so he's dressed up in this uniform and she recalls Emily telling her that her dad is an elementary school bus driver so he is in charge of driving children Mm. to school and then home from school and then home from school which it really creeps me out because there's always that last one or two kids that are on the bus they're the last to be dropped off at home and he was so disappointed that she wasn't a minor yep and then you know that there's one or two children that are left on the bus with just him. Right. Did you hear about the day he like stole two children? Yeah. And uh, he ended up because he was in a union, he couldn't get fired, but he got like 60 days mm-hmm. suspension with no pay multiple times. Yep. Um, because he like ended up taking the kid, not dropping him mm-hmm. off at home. So then he also was in a band on Saturday and I laugh because like, I guess after one of the assaults, he like was laying there talking to her and he was like, yes, like I'm in a band. And she like puts like her thoughts at the moment in the book. And she's like, why do I give a shit if you're in a band? Yeah. <laughs> I do you're not a middle aged man. Your band is not good. You're a middle aged man in Cleveland. Yeah. You're not doing anything with your life, sir. <laughs> well, I mean, he's not, he's not very successful anyways. No. She also had this uh, green bucket with a piece of cardboard over it as a toilet in the basement. And she, so as she's in the basement, he had twist ties around her wrist. And one day she got them loose and she like pushed herself up against the pole to get like the chains a little looser. And she's like trying to get out of there. Well, she hears him come home. She hears him come home and she's like, shit, I gotta make it look like I don't have some of this undone so she puts her arms behind her he immediately notices that she undid her twist ties around her wrist so he unchains her from the pole throws her on this gross mattress and says that she needs to be punished she said that it was like three to four hours of absolute torture she won't even like go to detail in the book and she goes into like pretty she really does really big details um and this she said like she can't even put into words how horrible it was she said nighttime was always the worst. Every night, usually she'd have to prepare herself for the next three hours of torture. Oh, my God. He ended up bringing her food. Uh, the first time she, he brought her food, it was, like, her his mom's spaghetti. And she, like, scarfed it down. 
Uh, he also would bring her like McDonald's all the time. But also he would feed her like old or stale food from around mm-hmm. his house. So it was never like. No, it was always just like food. his scraps. He also would say like, no one's looking for you. No one cares about mm-hmm. you. Like all of that. And this really broke her. Uh, she, she said like a part of her really believed that this was true. Like, you know, Deanna must have said something. Someone at Dollar fam- Family Dollar had to have seen mm-hmm. me with him and said something. But she was like, you know. But also, like, just the way that she's grown up, a part of her had to believe mm-hmm. that. She did. She did believe it. She, like, said that she didn't want mm-hmm. to make him see that she believed it and that it hurt her, but it did. Little did she know that her family reported her missing, but most assumed that she was just so upset over losing her son Mm -hmm. that she ran away. And she had run away before, unfortunately. Yeah, but her mom continued to post flyers of her constantly. However, in 2003, the FBI's missing person database, they decided to remove Michelle's picture from that database. Was that around the time that the police force declared her dead? What? <laughs> I didn't know that. Maybe this was Amanda Berry, but one of them, the police force, just kind of said, like, okay, by this time, like, I thought that she's was Amanda probably Berry. dead. Maybe it was Amanda Berry. But again, I don't know. This because... also hasn't been like a super long time that she's been gone and they remove her picture. Right. She but I mean, but you know what? But it's just, I mean, a young adult or a teenager can't go missing without police saying like oh she just ran away oh she's just with her boyfriend like even when the parents are saying like especially because she had her son they're like no she wouldn't just run away she is continuing to fight to find him right and i don't think anything in her history makes it seem like she wouldn't fight to keep her exactly i mean that's what she was doing that day and her cousin can attest to that right i do think that because she missed that one appointment in july it could like be skewed but it's so sad So she was in the basement for months while he was trying to trust her. I I, trying to I was considering trying to break her. Yeah, because he's like using the psychological warfare against her. She's like it's getting into the colder months. He keeps the heat really, really low. She's sitting on the cement floor. Yeah. So if she was on her period, he would throw her paper napkins for her to be able to clean up with and she said she like tried to make it into like a makeshift tampon and stuff like that it just doesn't didn't work she had blood all over her and she also had dried semen all over her and Um, i'd just like to point out like she's down here for months and for these entire months she has not had a shower so she's covered in dried blood she's covered like most likely in her own urine and feces because he doesn't change the bucket she's covered in semen Mm -hmm. and she's wearing the same clothes Mm -hmm. that she got kidnapped in Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about her hair i did you know that i was gonna say that okay so so oh my god she had dried semen in her hair to the point where she would like go to touch her hair and it was hard as a rock like she could not move it it gross so gross she also like said she started to enjoy the little things that were basic necessities in life like she got to brush her teeth with dawn dish soap and she was so excited which the idea of brushing my teeth with dawn dish soap i mean right now it sounds horrible like you know it's gonna taste disgusting but for her like she can finally feel clean yes she would imagine that joey was with her 
and she started like actually like seeing him and oh, talking God. to him like he was there like she imagined at one point like him back when he took his first steps and like calling out to him and saying like you can do it joey and then like she said like she would scoop him up and stuff like that and she's full-on imagining mm-hmm. him with her so he ended up moving her upstairs all of this continues to happen and he tells michelle i'll let you go after i get two other girls And this really, really bothered Michelle because she was like, I don't want anyone else to endure Mm -hmm. this, but hopefully he will get caught while he's Mm -hmm. trying to abduct these girls. So this one's going to be a three-parter. So I'm going to stop there. We will talk to you more next week. Sorry. This is is horrible, Um, guys. I can do my palate cleanser. Yes, please. Okay. So I teach third grade. Mm-hmm. and there's another teacher that teaches second grade who's around the same age as me so we like really have the same personality we, bo- we both watch tiktoks and stuff and she came to me the other day with this idea we are because <laughs> our kids sit at tables not mm-hmm. at desks we right. are going to sort our students by their zodiac signs i like it So we have this whole matrix Mm -hmm. and we wrote down their zodiac signs and everything. And then we have a zodiac sign compatibility matrix. So it says like a Capricorn and a Capricorn and like it has a heart, which means like great match or there's a thumbs up for like they're okay or an X, like they can't sit by each other. Yeah. (laughs) So we have like, okay, we know that the Tauruses can't be by the Sagittariuses, but the Tauruses can be by the Pisces and we have mapped out our students based on their zodiac signs (laughs) and i'm gonna put them into their groups on monday i need to hear how it goes i will yeah i'll definitely update it like five episodes i know (laughs) when i come back here during thanksgiving break but because my class like i cannot describe how much I love my job like I go into work so happy and I leave work exhausted like I just spent the night in Nicole's house and I slept for 12 hours I went to sleep <laughs> at 8 30 yeah. and woke up at 8 30 but like I love my job so much and I love my students but they never shut up <laughs> but not in a bad way it's just because they're all like friends with each other mm-hmm. so they can't even like do a worksheet without like looking over at someone else's and be like oh my god we're on the same problem like (laughs) like they're just they're so little they're so excited about everything like i want to go back to work today after this like because oh to be happy yes we can be happy again (laughs) um my kids are so like they're just so pure they're so young they're so pure they're in third grade they're not like into that like middle school like snottiness like they mm -hmm. still think i'm like halfway funny Melanie did a corn day at school. <gasps> yes, I did. So if you guys know, it's corn. That song, <laughs> my kids won't stop singing that. <clears throat> so I did a corn day. And it wasn't actually anything different than what we usually do. Because we already do math centers. It was just the exact same math centers and like worksheets and activities. I just put like corn clip art on it. <laughs> and then we made corn headbands. And because we're doing multiplication. So it was an array, repeated addition, and then the multiplication sentence. And we had that in a headband. And so they came back from recess or specials. They came back. I had them line up in the hallway. And I have a curtain on my door. It's my shooter curtain in case we have a shooter oh my god my stomach just dropped into my i know sorry i have a shooter curtain so i can pull the drawstring um so it covers up the window but anyway so i 
I told them to stay in the hallway and I had the curtain closed and I went in and I turned on the corn song and then I went out and I had put on my headband so the kids are like <laughs> why do you have corn on your head and I was like go inside and so they all walked in and on the screen I had it's corn day and all the kids walked in and the song was playing and I took a little video because they all came in and were like they were so happy and stuff it was so sweet they like all talk about it and then the best part was when I wanted someone when we all had our headbands take put on and I went to go ask the second grade teacher Jess who we're doing the zodiac signs with I went to go ask her mm-hmm. to take a picture of my class and I'm doing it in my corn headband. And so I like have all my kids lined up and I'm going to hand just my phone and I turn around and I see my principal standing in the doorway. <laughs> and he was like, I saw you run by and I thought you had corn on your head. And I come in here and <laughs> everyone has corn on their head. And all my kids are like, it's corn day. Oh, oh my gosh. And he just like, he, he saw that it was educational. So he just laughed, but he comes from a middle school teaching career. Yeah. So he was just like rolling his eyes at me. But <laughs> yeah, my kids still talk about that. It's so fun. Oh. I love my job. Anyone wants to be a substitute teacher, you can come and work anywhere. We need you. If you, my, um, my boyfriend is a firefighter paramedic, um, right outside of Atlanta. So he's seen some pretty gnarly stuff. So he's like, he gets like really in his head and everything. Um, but he came to my Christmas party to play bingo. Like he ran the bingo game with my kids and at the end of the day, he said that he felt like his soul had been healed. So he comes in and helps out in my classroom whenever he can, because then he like leaves the class and feels so much happier. That's so sad. Well, his job sucks, but it's okay. I have my son to make me happy. He's really cute. My job isn't that like <laughs> distressing until there's like, I don't know, ridiculous drama, but. You do have a lot. You have a very stressful job. You have to work. I couldn't work with adults like you do. <laughs> That's stressing all in itself. Sometimes it's really surprising how stupid can people can be and have a college degree and a salary job. I know. This is why we shouldn't just assume that people are smart because they have a bachelor's degree. Right. Well, okay. So my favorite thing is when parents say we shouldn't give out participation awards. Mm-hmm. And then people are like, you do know, like, everyone gets paid on Friday. <laughs> oh, my God. Regardless of if they actually put in work or not. That's so true. Mm-hmm. So I think about that all the time. Oh I deserve a participation trophy. <laughs> <laughs> I work hard. You do. Uh, so I think that's enough of a palate cleanser. <laughs> Hopefully people not listen to the next one, even though it's god awful please do the next one is gonna be a rough one but then the third one (laughs) the third one will be better will be better yeah Mm -hmm. if you want to email us you can do that at aesthetically displeasing pod at gmail.com you can follow us um on facebook at aesthetically displeasing and instagram at aesthetically displeasing pod we also have a twitter and tiktok but we we never update them Give us some ideas for some TikTok. Yes. And um, also, my husband last episode said that we would give out bumper stickers to the first 10 people who messaged us. We have some left. So please go uh, message us if you want a bumper sticker for free. So 
Cool. Talk to you next time. Bye, guys.